listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. In John chapter 3, we're going to be looking at it in a moment. Now, I'm sure that each one of us can all think back in our lifetime, whether that's been a long life or whether it's been a shorter life, we can probably all think back to one of those awesome Christmas gifts that we once received. And you just, right away, as soon as I said that, you have something in your mind, oh, it was this, oh, it was that. It was just that awesome gift. There was one year when I was nine years old that there was a gift that I wanted it so, so badly. It was what you'll see on the screen here, a digital derby. Now this was so cool and it was put out by Tommy and, and uh, the makers, some toy maker, and this I wanted so badly. I'm going to show you, I found it on YouTube, a demonstration of how this game works. There's nothing digital about it, but it was still pretty amazing. Can you run that video? I just got to share this with you. It was awesome. What a fun, fun toy that was. But I wanted digital derby so badly that I, I got so worked up about it. I circled it in the Sears catalog. I put my initials beside it so that in case, you know, my mom lost count, there was quite a few kids in our family that Meldon wanted one of these digital derbies. And I was just banking on it, hoping for it, trusting, praying for it even. And I got so nervous, and I'll make a true confession, I actually snuck couple days before Christmas into my parents' bedroom. I, found, I went into the closet where all the gifts were wrapped and I found one. It was about the right size and I took and I tore the paper on it. It was addressed to me. It had my name on it. Tore it and I saw that little red little, little crash scene that you saw there on, on that beautiful graphic there. Uh, and, and I was like, yes! Yes! And there was such a relief. There was such peace. There was such hope. There was such joy. There was such love for my parents parents because I got the digital derby. I put the little name tag, strategic, I mean, kids don't learn from me uh, on this one. Anyways, put the name tag over that little rip spot. No one ever knew. I had such a good sleep that night knowing that digital derby was going to be opened on Christmas morning, and indeed it was, and it was so enjoyed. In fact, it, it did make an, I, I still have it, actually. Um, it doesn't work. The steering wheel is off. I actually, I put batteries on it. The battery case is gone, and it actually opens up because one time I wanted to tear it apart and see and I put batteries in it. It still works. You just can't steer it, you know. And, 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 and sometimes you just have it. There's kind of nostalgia reasons you hold on to it. And it was just one of those Christmas memories where you have something like this because it was just such a good gift. And for me, I would probably rate it as one of the best Christmas gifts I ever received. Well, this morning, I want to talk about with you the best gift any one of us could receive, whether it's a Christmas or any time through the year. It's better than a new toy. It's better than a new phone, even if it's the latest and the greatest and lots of storage on that phone. It's better than a diamond. It's, it's better than piles and piles of gift cards or cash, which teenagers seem to like these years. Uh, this gift, it will never get old. It will never break. It will never lose its value. And yet oftentimes this gift is neglected. It's ignored. And by many, it is also declined. It is turned down. This gift is eternal as well. However, in order for this gift to be realized, it must be received. And we find the details of this gift in a very familiar 
passage of scripture in John chapter 3. And today we're going to look at one verse. We love working through chapters and through books of the word of God. Today we're going to look at one verse. One verse in John 3. You probably already know what verse it's going to be. It's 24 words. And these 24 words in John chapter 3 verse 16 can change your life. And will alter your eternity. It is the most important verse on a day like this for us to pay attention to. It's probably one of the most well-known, famous verses in all of the Bible. And even people who don't even know the Bible, somehow it seems have some familiarity with this verse. So let's take a look at this verse this morning. I'm going to uh, do something we don't normally do. We're going to put it up on the screen just so everyone can see it because these 24 words are so powerful. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have, but will have eternal life. When studying... The Bible, it is important that you just don't look at one verse. It's important that you look at the context in which this verse was written in. And so we're going to do that today. We're not going to take a lot of time to go through this, but it's important to understand the context. And we see the context in verse 1. We see in verse 1, if you have your Bibles open or um, you can look at it, it says uh, in verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, this along with verse 10, if you skip down to that, we're going to see something there in a moment. This gives us some really important understanding to the context. You see, there was this man by the name of Nicodemus. It tells us he was a Pharisee. And to understand what a Pharisee was, it means you were part of the elite spiritual squad. In all of Israel, hundreds of thousands, even millions of men that could have been chosen or be a part of the, of the group called the Pharisees, there was, it was limited to 6,000 Jewish men. Nicodemus was one of them. This was for the spiritual elite. People looked up to these people. They kept the law and they kept it very, very well. The Old Testament laws and commands, hundreds of them, and they tried to follow them to a T and do everything in their right to maintain their holiness or their righteousness. But it also says here, it says that he was a ruler of the Jews. So that means he was in the Sanhedrin. So he was in the top 70 of the 6,000. I mean, this guy was, was something. And then in verse 10, it even says, you are the teacher of Israel. So, I mean, even of that top 70, he was probably in the top, like, handful of teachers and maybe the ultimate teacher. So this guy was serious. He was religious. He was devoted. He had status. People looked up to him. He was the picture of success. Everyone would have thought, man, to be like Nicodemus would be something. Boy, is he ever spiritual. Yet something was missing in his life. He is confused. He has these questions. You see, there's this rabbi by the name of Jesus. He's heard his teaching. He has seen some of the miracles. Jesus has been the subject of a lot of discussion amongst the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, and he's wondering about this Jesus. And when it comes to Jesus, he's wondering, how can I have a relationship with God like you have? He wants to know how he can get to heaven. How can I know God in this life and in the life to come? Those are important questions that we still ask today. You see, Nicodemus sees a peace and a confidence and an intimacy that Jesus had that he didn't have despite all of his religious activities. Please listen to this, folks. This might be the most, some of the most important words you're going to hear today in this. Religion at its roots 
is all about doing and earning and pleasing to try to get somewhere. But the gift that we're talking about here today, salvation, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, peace, joy, hope, love, they can't be earned. They're a gift. It's a gift from God to you and to me. And the greatest thing about this gift, it's a free gift. However, this gift came at a very high cost. It's a costly gift. And so Nicodemus has this conversation with Jesus. And in verse 3, if you look down in verse 3, Jesus ends up saying to him, you must be born again. Now, no doubt when, when Nicodemus hears this, I must be born again, this conjures up a whole bunch of different thoughts in Nicodemus' mind. It's like, how can a grown man go back into their mother's womb? Like this, we must be born again like I've been born once. Like, that, that is so weird. I mean, isn't childbirth awesome? What a miracle it is, so amazing. I mean, I got to be there uh, when our two children were born. What a day. I mean, there's tears, there's laughter, there's excitement. I mean, I got a lot of use. Well, Charlotte did too, but I got a lot of use out of that laughing gas that they provided just to kind of help you and calm you down. I mean, that got us through two, two, two deliveries, and, and I mean, it's good stuff, you know. But I mean, it's such a miracle seeing this happen, to be there when physical birth takes place. And, and, and it's, it's where you see this new life, and, and you get to hold this new life. But Jesus now, he's not talking about a physical birth and a re-physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth. That in order to be fully alive, to have what Nicodemus is looking for, in order to have an, a relationship with God, in order to have the promise of eternal life, there must be a spiritual birth. A point in which we come alive spiritually. In Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that unless this happens, that unless we are born again, that we are dead. Later on in chapter 3, it tells us that we are condemned. The world is condemned, that we're already condemned. Why? Because of our sin. And, and it says in Ephesians 2 that, that we are dead, we are doomed in our sins, in our wrongdoing, in our trespasses. And it goes on to say, though, however, because of Jesus, we're made alive. Because of the spiritual birth... Being born again, we are made spiritually alive. And see, you see, Merry Christmas is anchored in this verse. It's anchored in this truth. And because Merry Christmas, it's all about the best gift ever. So in order to wrap this gift, in order to unwrap it, we must, must look at some, some aspects of this verse. And so we're just going to quickly work through this verse. First of all, I encourage you, if you have notes, if you have a pen, I encourage you to write this down. God is the source. God is the source of this gift. It says, for God so loved. It says, God loved what? The universe. This is the God of the universe, the creator of heavens and earth. He is the one who created all things, the stars, the mountains, the uniqueness and the beauty of, the beauty of a snowflake. The intricacy of the human body, the human brain, the birth of a child, all of creation displays, puts God's glory and, 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 and it shouts, creation shouts of intelligent design of a creator God. And yet God even takes things a step further. He says, I want you to know me in even a greater way. And so he's given us his word. We have the word of God and it describes, it tells us what God is like. It tells us that God is love. That God is holy, that God is just, that he's without sin, that he's without injustice of any sort. 
The Bible tells us how he created us as human beings. It tells us how, how we were created to enjoy and have a relationship, an intimate relationship with him. And his word tells us that he made us, he designed us. He just didn't show up on this earth by chance. He knitted us together when we were in our mother's womb. He knows everything about us. He knew everything about how our life would start and how our life would end and everything in between. There's no accidents with God. You and I were made and designed by God. However, like 15 minutes into his creation of humans, while well, maybe it was a little bit longer, humans revolted. And they said, uh-uh, we are not, we're not going to follow what you want. They revolted against God, against his word, against his holiness. And as a result of that, sin entered into the world. And you, have, uh, you and I have all been affected, or could we say infected by that. And because we have all been stained and affected by sin, Romans 3.10 tells us there, there is none righteous. No, not one. None of us are righteous. None of us have escaped this. Watch the news on any given week. We see the brokenness, the loss, the heartbreak, the hurt and the chaos, the rebellion that we see, disease and illness and disasters, all the devastating effects of sin. And then sin strikes close to home as well. The tragedy that took place this past week in Rutland. Absolutely heartbreaking. And sin affects our relationships. It affects our families, our thought patterns. Sin reminds us and tells us we're worthless and we're useless and no one could ever love us. And because of God's holiness and because of our sin, there's this chasm, there is, there's, there's this divide that, that, that hinders and affects this relationship. And yet it says, for God so loved the world. This just isn't, for God loved the world. If you have your Bibles and if you're an underliner, underline that word, so. He so loved the world. It's like when a child does something wrong and the mom or the dad says, you are in trouble. But when they say, you are so much in trouble, then you know there's emphasis, there's depth, there's meaning. Well, when it comes to God's love, he so loved the world. There's emphasis of, of just a depth and a meaning there. But instead of giving up on us and say, ah, get out of here, toss you aside kind of thing, leaving us in our sorry state, no, his love reaches down. He so loved the world. And the second thing we see in this verse is that we are the recipients. God is the source, but we are the objects of his love. We are the recipients. It says the world. And that word world, that means you and it means me. If you have a pulse here today, you're in that category. You're in the world. You might say, I wish I could get out of this world. Well, one day you will. But right now, you're in the world, but, and you have to understand this. God so loves the world. And you might think, well, you know what? I'm not that bad of a person. I generally try to do well, especially even in my driving. I try, you know, not to run red lights or, you know, come to full stop at stop signs, and I try to do good. I try to, you know, I shoveled my neighbor's walk recently. They've had a back injury, and I helped out in, in this area, you know, when the recent snow came. I, I try to be nice and courteous and, and give back. I, I want to contribute to society in different ways. Good. That's wonderful, and we should all be doing that. And yet we've all sinned against God. 
We can try to compare ourselves with one another, but, but we've all missed the mark. We've all missed the standard that God has. All of us, at some point in our lives, we've lied, we've stolen, we've cheated, we've lusted, we've been greedy, we've, we've gossiped, we've hurt others, we've been hurt by others and have held on to unforgiveness and bitterness and all of these things means that we've rebelled against God. We're marked and stained. We're guilty. And yet Romans 3.23 tells us as well that the wages of sin, the result of this sin, is death. But then it goes on to talk about the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life. It's life here and it's life now, but we'll get to that in a moment. In Romans 5.8 it says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. This is good news. This means you don't have to clean up your, your act first in order for God to love you. You come to him as you are. We come in our brokenness, we come in our mess, we come in our failures, we come in our guilt and our shame, and we come to him, not clean up ourselves and hope that he likes the future version maybe of us. No. And even for a guy like Nicodemus here, this religious guy, he was still missing the mark. He followed the law, he taught the law, he was the example, he did everything, all of these good works, and yet he, he was missing something. It wasn't adding up. And look at what we see next, though. We see this gift. We see Jesus is the gift. He goes on to say that he gave his only son. Look at this verse again and just put it up on the screen here. God's love for you and me. Here, here we see it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave. You see, we love to... Kids, how many of you love getting gifts at Christmas? Yeah, pretty cool, isn't it? Grown-ups? Yeah, some of you grown-ups are all... Yeah, everyone loves getting gifts at Christmas. I mean, it's just a, a wonderful thing. It's just... Great to, to get a package and to be able to... And, and so we kind of think that the whole tradition of gift-giving started with what? The, does anyone know? Where do we get the tradition of gift-giving? Where do we get it from in the Bible? The wise men, yeah. Because what did they do? They brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yeah, and so because they brought gifts to Jesus... We give gifts to ourselves and to others. That doesn't quite make sense. And yet, yet that's not where the real gift giving of Christmas really began. It began back here. When God gave, God was the giver. God gave his only son. And our response to that, just as it was then for the wise men, the magi that come, that, that came to Jesus, was to give him gifts in return. But God gave first. God is the giver. God gave his only son. He would leave the glory, the beauty, the majesty, the perfection of heaven and come to this messed up world. He would take on human flesh in the form of a baby. That's what we're celebrating here today and in the days ahead. And he became God in the flesh. He would humble himself, taking the role of a servant. He would lay aside his rights as God. He didn't stop being God. He just laid his rights aside. And yet his own people rose up against him. This thing just hit me this morning as we were pulling up. It just When I was thinking about God's love and the way that, he, that when Jesus came, he humbled himself, he served. And I thought, right before the cross, hours before he is, he's beaten and he's placed on the cross and he dies, taking the sin of the world upon himself, that, that right before that, what's he doing? He's on his knees washing the stinking, dirty feet of his disciples because none of them would lift a finger to wash anyone else's feet. And someone forgot to, to, to get a servant to come and do it. And here's Jesus taking the form of a servant. 
even washing his disciples' feet, knowing that, that one of them was going to betray him, knowing that the others were going to just back off and even deny him, and yet he loved them. What a love he showed to us. What a giver. He is, God gave and then Jesus came to this earth and he gave of himself. And so mom, this Christmas when you're wiping up the stains on the floor, the carpet, from the guests and different things, you have an opportunity to serve like Jesus. And just be thankful that God has enabled you to be able to serve people. And for dads, cleaning up the messes from pa packaging and then you lose something in the packages in the recycle bin and next thing you're going through it all again to find those batteries or that part or whatever it is. Take the role of a servant. Kids, same thing. What an opportunity to live out the life of Jesus even this Christmas season, not to be selfish but to think of others. And so we see that people, his own people rose up against Jesus and he would end up dying a criminal's death on a cross. Though he did nothing wrong, he was completely innocent. And while they were in the very act of doing this, something else happened that was more profound and more painful and more terrible, is that God placed on him, on Jesus, his own son, the sins of all the people to be the scapegoat, to be the one sacrificial lamb, to take the sins of the world, and he was the perfect sacrifice because he did nothing wrong. And there he died being the satisfying payment for all of our sins, all of our wrongdoing. It just shows how serious our sin is that someone had to pay the price and it was Jesus. And the great exchange takes place here where, where God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we could know the righteousness of God. This is the great exchange, what the perfect one did for us. And God said, now listen to this, he says, now if you take and you put your trust in my son, you confess your sins, you will be forgiven. Because the cost, the penalty of that sin was covered by my son. He paid the bill. He paid the price. He paid it in full. And if you believe in him, and you let go of your agenda and your ways, and you, you follow his ways as your Lord and your Savior, you will be saved. Not only from our sins are we forgiven, but Jesus also conquered death when he rose in victory. And so for us who are believers in Christ who have received this gift that one day, one day there will be no pain, no sorrow, no cancer, no evil, no darkness. There will be perfect justice. Wrongs will be righted. And I'm telling you folks, this is the best gift ever. This is the best thing that we can ever receive. It's going to be far better than anything you're going to receive this Christmas or, 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 or a lifetime of Christmases. It is the gift of Jesus Christ. And yet this leaves us in the fourth and the last thing I want to share with you, that we must respond. We must unwrap the gift. Now, this morning I brought two gifts that were under our tree. Uh, one was from my son and one was from my daughter. Now you guess which one is from my son and which one was from my daughter. Can, uh, who would vote that this was Nate, uh, Nate's rapping? Yeah, I, and, and Charlotte's? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you got it. Now, now I have no clue exactly what this is, but I know that in some degree, I, I trust that they thought of me when they were purchasing this gift. And so they were thinking of me and thinking this, I would enjoy this, I would like this. And so later on, 
Not tonight, we're Christmas morning people, I don't know what you are, but we're Christmas morning people that when I get this gift, what am I gonna do? Just hold on to this, and of course there should be about 15 more. No, uh, you know, I'm gonna hold on to these gifts and say thank you very much, guys. That, that was wonderful, thank you. And I'm gonna take and shove these under the bed or put them with a Christmas tree box when we take it down mid-February. You know, like is that when, when you know, this is gonna happen or, um, you know, that I just, un, just leave it like this, or am I gonna unwrap it? This one might take a little bit of work, but I'll get through it. Because I know whatever is in here, my son thought of me, and there was love there, and so it's just like, I gotta get through this tape that he's taped this all up with. Now I say that because that's just like the gift that is offered to us. These gifts were for me, they were purchased with the thought of me, carefully and beautifully wrapped. <laughs> but they're no good unless I open it. And the same is true with the gift of Jesus Christ. It's no good unless we respond, unless we unwrap the gift. And look what this verse, put that verse back up there because this is so important. It says that whoever, whoever, no matter your past, no matter what you've done, no matter how many or how much or how, what you have done, how you've messed up and Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You receive the gift. How? Through believing. You will not perish. That's a sobering statement, that perishing word, because that word perish means eternal separation away from God. And you won't do that. Because remember, again, just as you read a little, little later, verse 17 and 18, you see that the world is already condemned. It says Jesus didn't come to condemn the world because the world has already been condemned, but he's come to save the world. To wipe the slate clean so that we are no longer under that condemnation. And Romans 1, 8, this is a beautiful verse. I encourage you to write down this passage and look it up later, or you can Google it at home. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are no longer condemned if you have believed and if you've received the gift of Jesus Christ. Condemnation has been removed. You will not perish. Eternal separation from God won't be for you. But have eternal life. And eternal life in heaven will be far greater and for, far more wonderful. You won't be, it's not about playing harps and eating cream cheese. It's so much, it's beyond our imagination. And yes, one day we will experience a physical death, but we won't experience the spiritual death because we have put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. And notice if we put that verse up one more time, that word believes, that word believes is so important. That word believes means not just a head knowledge, just yeah, 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 Melden, I've heard this, yeah, I've prayed the prayer, yeah, I've gone through, got my fire insurance, I'm good, no. This word believe is so important. Because in the Greek and in the, the original text, this word means whoever trusts in, relies on, and clings to. Whoever does this has eternal life. This means a turning away, no longer trusting in my self-salvation um, methods. It's not relying on my good works or my family heritage or whatever it might be. And whoever clings to Jesus, if you're clinging to Jesus, if you're believing in him, it means you're not clinging to other things. It's, it's willing to let go of the past and forgive. It means willing to turn from areas of sin, that areas that we know are wrong and that the Bible tells us are wrong or the laws of the land tells us that we're wrong. We want to obey God. 
It's clinging to his truth and believing that Jesus, as we believe in, put those words back up there, please. Uh, whoever believes in or trusts, relies, and clings to Jesus, we have eternal life. And believing means then that we believe that he is the full and satisfying payment for our sins. This is the love of God. This is the best gift ever. And it's available for everyone in this room. If you have not received this gift in your life as of yet, you could do that today and things will change. This is simply though, however, folks, listen, this is so important and this is where us church-going people can get this all messed up. This isn't simply a transaction. Pray a prayer. Now we're saved. Now we're in. I did it at camp. Now I'm just kind of living my own life. No, this is about a transfer. It's not a transaction only. Yeah, there's a transaction that happens in the heavenly and the spiritual realms, but this is also about a transformation. As we understand the love of God that has been demonstrated to us, it constrains us, it compels us to want to live like Jesus, to follow his ways, to obey the word of God, not to, to, to give up our sinful ways and our sinful past and get help in those areas that we continue to struggle with. It's no longer about my agenda and my plans. It's about, hey, God, what's your plan and what's your agenda for my life? And God has a good plan. He has a good agenda. It may be a lot different than what you're thinking. You might be thinking it's climbing the ladder of success, but you know what? You'll keep climbing. You're going to find that that ladder was set against the wrong thing. It's against the wrong building. You get to the top and it's just like, <laughs> I've missed it. Yeah, you can. It's following his agenda and his plan. This is the best gift ever. And when we truly understand and truly receive it, it humbles us that God would do this, that he would come down in the flesh, live as a baby, as a young child, and then sacrifice, be sacrificed on the cross for our sins. This means that we love others because Christ has loved us. It means we forgive others because why? Christ has forgiven us. It's not always going to be easy, but we forgive. We now want to live the life that Christ would want us to live. No longer me that's living it. It's Christ living in and through me. His agenda, his plans, first and foremost, not our own. May we never get over this love, but be overwhelmed by it day after day. Have you received this best gift ever? Let's pray together. Just with your heads bowed and the worship band is going to come up. Just going to take a few moments of quiet reflection because you know what, quite honestly, this might be the last opportunity for you to have a few moments of quiet reflection. <laughs> Starting at the end of this service, chaos may ensue for you, for your family, a good chaos. But let's just take just a moment here and reflect on what we've talked about. And the first question I have for you is, have you opened the gift? Have you trusted in Jesus as the full and satisfying payment or are you trusting in some good works or your church attendance or just trying to live a good life and think that's good enough it won't be good enough what do you need to let go of in order to trust in Jesus Christ alone and you can do that today it's simple it is so simple and listen this is how you do it just believe place your faith in Jesus now and tell him you're a sinner and you need a savior and that you believe that his son paid the sacrifice, paid the price for your salvation. Surrender your life to him. 
be willing to turn from your own sin and from your own ways and follow the way that God would have. And the Bible has such good news. It says, and all who call on the name of the Lord in this way will be saved. If you have more questions about that or would like to talk further, love to do that as well as uh, Shayon, our worship leader, would love to do that as well as others from the church would love to talk to you further. But maybe you're also sitting here today and you responded to this truth years ago. Boys Brigade, Sunday school, summer camp with your grandmother, with your parents in church. And this gift has uh, collected quite a bit of dust. You haven't been paying a lot of attention to it. I wonder, is this best gift ever being evidenced in your life this Christmas? If we've received this gift of love, how can we at times, how can we be so angry, so fearful, so selfish, so unforgiving, so bitter, <laughs> living our own agenda, where do you need his love to show up in your life this Christmas? Blow the dust off this gift. And just let the Lord know, hey, I'm sorry. Confess your sin. Repent of those areas and pray and ask God to do a new work that this would be a new start, a fresh start for you today. And then I wonder for each one of us, who can we be showing and extending this love to this Christmas season and into the new year? It's a turning away from what we once trusted and put our confidence in and placing our lives, our confidence in Jesus. God will do this work. This is the best gift ever. When it truly is we understand this gift, it humbles us and it overwhelms us. And so Heavenly Father, even now we just thank you for this great gift. We thank you for sending your son to this world, and now we get to celebrate. But before the celebration begins, Lord, I pray that indeed we would consider these truths and make the necessary adjustments in our lives so that this would be the best Christmas and the best gift ever that we have received in a brand new start, a new way in our life, or in a fresh way, it's become old and we've made life about our own agenda. We turn from these areas, God, and realize that you give us then hope and peace and love and joy in growing measures as we grow together as the family and the body of Christ. Bless each one here in a special way, we pray.